Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Welcome to the Sports Rivals. For Ernie, this is Monty, and we are ready for our third podcast with the Hawaii Sports Radio Network and our 41st edition of the year for those of you that are following us or have been following us since the beginning about a year and a half ago. So much to unpack today, starting first, Ernie, Mm -hmm. with the University of Hawaii going up to San Diego State and narrowly, I mean narrowly, on the last second field Field goal, goal, not upsetting as an 18.5-point dog. Yeah. Your thoughts on that game? Uh, I thought they played terrific. I mean, to hold, I think San Diego is probably looking past the Hawaii uh, Warriors. I know there were articles uh, regarding who the, were the bottom dwellers in regards to NCAA men's football. Uh, and Hawaii was, you know, you know, in discussion for that uh, dubious honor. But uh, they gave a fight, you know, uh, down uh, down by three at the half. I mean, they didn't score anything. And then come, coming back in the second half, scoring those two touchdowns to take the lead, 14-13. Like you mentioned, you know, that last second field goal against the Aztecs. And the Aztecs are a 500 football team. You know, that doing it away from home, I think this gives them a lot more confidence for the rest of the season. I think, uh, you know, Maybe this pushes them over the hump. I kind of look at this. I was I was looking back at the Von Oppen years when the Rainbow Warriors went 0 and 12. And I, how long ago was that? Like 24, 25 years ago. Uh, I remember I was just starting my my first job way back then. But you know, I was looking at those Von Oppen teams, and they were terrible. Especially his third year, where where they, they failed to to win it to win it all, and I remember go, him going on shows and making up excuses, saying, "Oh, but we came back in the second half after they were like down by by a lot." Uh, this team looks better than that, you know. I think there is there there is some sense of pride in regards to this particular team. Uh, they don't have the weapons, that's for sure. They lost a lot of their good players uh, through the portal, but you know what? It makes me uh, look at this team and, you know, be quite interested, you know, that they made it close. Well, you know what? I mean, I think I think recently you've heard us say that they may not win another game. And who knows? They may or they may not win another game. But I thought that this game was extremely encouraging. And I think I sense that the fans of Hawaii find it to be encouraging. The fact that they had them. I think you can see the pride come back they were physical their defense was playing hard they weren't getting pushed around very much um they were holding you know after allowing 300 plus yards to new mexico state on the ground they held the san diego state team to under 100 yards rushing the problem was their quarterback went for 300 mm-hmm. um which it normally doesn't happen so i think that pride that defense that physical play started to come back um i think schrager had his best game certainly of the season i think he was helped by the fact that zion bowens came back yep. he certainly made a difference with nine catches for over 100 yards including that 166 yarder that to me the season could have changed on that play where they finally had something positive an explosive play uh positive passing explosive play happen um Hopefully this is a this is a, a launching point where where they can be competitive, and I think that's the key. I think they had stopped being competitive for most of the season. Um, this show that they can be competitive, and if they're in every game going down the stretch, I think you keep the fans' interest and you keep the people of Hawaii rooting for the the Rainbow Warriors. So I was really pleased. This was one of those losses that I was very happy that. They played the way they did. They showed themselves yeah. well. They were yeah. not embarrassed on national TV. Uh, and I think better things are ahead for this right. rendition of the Rainbow Warriors. I, I, I agree. And who, who, who knows? Zion was, was injured after that first game. So, you know, uh, this he may be the spark that they need on top of this. So, you know, crossing my fingers, go Bulls. 
uh, hopefully there are better things to come in the future. Now, we're going to go a little bit off topic in terms of sports just for a brief second. I want Those of you that, that live in Hawaii have been following this story for the last week or so. There was an article, a very interesting article that came out in the paper comparing the situation with the Aloha Stadium and the new stadium that the UH played in yesterday in San Diego for San Diego State. The timelines for the two projects, when it was decided that Aloha Stadium was going to shut down, it was the same time that the San Diego State decided that they were going to have to build a new stadium. And two years later, San Diego State's playing in their new stadium, mm-hmm. similar size, 35,000 people. They already signed an MLS uh, NWSL team to play in there. Meanwhile, in Hawaii... We're still waiting for word from Governor Ige next next week on what exactly is going to happen with the Aloha Stadium. Mm-hmm. At best, we're looking at a 2027 timeline. San Diego State's already playing in their field. Ernie, that is just a microcosm of politics and wasted long-term construction projects yeah. in Hawaii. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's not surprising because this has happened in many other aspects prior to this in regards to, uh, you know, how the revenue is shared for the football program, being football is the major revenue-producing uh, sport uh, for most universities, that being the UH also. And uh, they can't get any revenues from the stadium, but it's a state-run stadium, and you have a state-run university, and they can't even get on the same timeline in regards to that. I mean, there's so much bureaucracy that's happening. Uh, It's mind-boggling. I mean, I thought this would be, I mean, when you bring up that San Diego State is able to do that yet, uh, the UH or, you know, just the Hawaii, the government in Hawaii, or let's call it the bureaucracy in Hawaii, can't do the same, uh, is, is just baffling. I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's money wasted. It's very wasteful. I mean, those of you who, who have born and raised here, you know how long it was a 30-year project to build the H3. Now, there are some things that happened there. Uh, and then a rail project that is going on 10 years in the it's making. It's supposed to be a, At five times the cost yeah. so far. Uh, and we're still a couple of years away before the abbreviated version is completed. Yeah. It's just, it's remarkable. It truly is remarkable how wasteful we are because a project that's supposed to finish on a two-year timeline gets finished on budget when you go five times longer at the interest rates that are going up, the power of money. You're talking about, I heard a statistic that for every every month or so of delay in Aloha Stadium, it's going to cost $12 million more. That's just how much it's going to. So if we're talking 2027, this $4 million, $400 million project could easily get to a billion dollars. For a billion dollars, you could have built SoFi. I mean, it's ridiculous. But anyway, guys, we don't want to spend too much time on political complaining. But we did have to address this because yeah. I just, as an as a ex-CPA, I found that article and the numbers surrounding San Diego State and what they were able to accomplish and UH and what we're not able to accomplish was just a glowing um, statement as to the inefficiencies of the Hawaii state government. So again, you're listening to Ernie and Monty. We are the sports rivals. We're going to transition before we hit into the NFL, which is a very sobering week for the both of us. Ernie, let's talk wild card round. <laughs> I don't want to talk wild card round. I mean, gang, we're going to get this out of the it's, way here. It's been a sobering week for, for it, Ernie, whether it be baseball or it's, football. Uh, it's It's been tough. But let's start off with your Cardinals. They had home field advantage. They did not hit at all. They couldn't. The Phillies knocked them out. 2 0. First game, 2 0 lead for the Cardinals entering the ninth. The Phillies score six to win 6 3. And then they come back and shut out the Cardinals. Uh, Goldschmidt didn't hit. Pools didn't hit. Uh, Arenado didn't hit. Uh, and the Cardinals go home. Unfortunately, if it wasn't going to be a Dodger World Series, I was hoping it would be a Pujols World Series. Yeah. That's not going to happen. It's now the Phillies versus the Braves in round two. Yeah, and the agonizing part of that game, too, was Bryce Harper hit his uh, hit that home run in the second inning, and it was just, you know, it's, it's, it's a 2-0 lead. They're going to come back. Nothing happened. Nothing. Nothing happened. And it ended that way. No. And it's a very it's a very sad way for the tri 
the trifecta of Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols, and Adam Wainwright to to go so easily. Um, But I think one thing in this wild card round that we saw, Mm -hmm. that home field didn't matter. Three of the four. I mean, three of the four road teams won. And and gang, you you guys know the, the wild card round this year was different. It was a best of three on the the higher seated team's home field and you had the Padres go to the Mets they finished them off today the only series that actually went to a third game they shut out the Mets 6-0 to advance to play the Dodgers that gets me nervous then you had the Guardians the only one that had the the home field 15 innings in game two a home run win at 1-0 they win and I think the feel-good story so far has got to be the Seattle Mariners they jumped out in game one with a nice victory in game two they're down eight to one they're down eight to one in the game they come back with four runs in the eighth to tie it and a one in the ninth to win it 10-9 the Mariners knock off the Blue Jays 10-9 and advance. So in round two now, we've got um, we've got the Guardians and the Yankees in a best of five. And then we have the Mariners and the Astros starting in the American League. Who do you like in those two series? You know what? I really don't know. And I really don't care right now. I'm still hurting over the St. Louis <laughs> Cardinals. I, I'm going to go. I, I'm going to. You know what? I'm going to ride with Seattle. I think they're on a... On I hope so. I am too. I'm cheering for Seattle. My daughter now lives in Seattle. I'm, all, I'm on the Seattle bandwagon. Plus, I hate the Astros for cheating. <laughs> <laughs> cost my Dodgers a championship in but, 2017. You, you know what? I mean, they, they, got, they got pitching on their side. I mean, all the numbers point to the Astros winning this. But then again, three out of four kills me. And I can't see that. Who knows? Maybe that... Uh, It's just top top. Sorry, folks. I'm coming off of the St. Louis Cardinals losing and the Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) getting demolished. So I'm like, I'm not in my proper frame of mind at this particular moment. But I'll before this podcast ends, I'll I'll gather my thoughts. We should we should have taken shots. I should have had Ernie take a couple shots before the show started. Then he can fill us in. I I I agree. I think the Astros are going to be tough to beat. I think one thing that's going to be interesting and fascinating in the second round, both in the National League and the American League, is that the National League teams that had the bye, the one and two seeds in in both leagues, are going to be off for a week. Mm -hmm. Is that going to be beneficial? Or is that going to hurt them? Yes, you can line up your pitching. So I think from a pitching perspective, Yankees are going to have who they want when they want. Astros are going to have who they have when they want. Same with the Braves. Same with the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. But not playing for six days. I kind of wonder, you know, do you get rusty? Do you lose that edge a little bit? Um, All it will take is for one of these road teams to win game one. And all that benefit of pitching goes out the window. Because... After game two, they're back on schedule with their their number one pitchers are all going to pitch game twos. Um, so they can steal game one advantage to the road and teams. That, and that might be very well possible because if Russ sets in, you know, all this anticipation, at least the wild card, you know, got the blood flowing. But when you're watching this at home and, you know, just uh, waiting, waiting to get out there to play baseball, uh, a lot of weird things can happen. So... It, who knows if they revisit this again in regards to the opening round of the wild card for you know for future series but oh boy it just hit at least for me as a baseball fan it hit me hard yeah so i'm i'm gonna take an upset i'm gonna go with the cleveland guardians to upset the yankees you're kidding me and i'm gonna go with the mariners to lose to the astros although i'm cheering for the mariners in the national league i think the braves are gonna roll the phillies me too uh, I just think the Braves are now set up that their pitching is going to be where they want. Their hitting has been solid. They ended up with 102 wins or 101 wins. Uh, I think Atlanta is a threat to repeat. Yep. Uh, it's hard to repeat, but they're certainly a threat. I think they're going to win this game, this series in four. And the Dodgers and the Padres have me nervous. That's going to be a it good one. It has me it's nervous gonna be, because the Padres are playing better now. They're pitching better. Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove are all pitching better. Yeah. I think the Dodgers must win game one. Whether they throw Urias or Kershaw, they have to win game one. 
because you don't want to be down 1-0 and then you face their aces. So yeah. I think we have to capitalize on that. I hope the Dodgers win. I'm going to say Dodgers in five. I would I, I would go with the Dodgers. I think it's going to be a lot closer series than most anticipate. And I totally agree with you in regards to the Braves-Philly series. I think the Phillies shot their load in, in, in that St. Louis series. And I think the Braves roll. On top of that, I wouldn't be. I mean, this this might be a sweep. It might be a sweep, if if at all. Maybe a well, not a gentleman sweep, but if if the Phillies get more than one game, I'd be I'd be shocked. Yeah, the the thing is, I I agree. The thing with baseball, though, man, you just never know. And baseball is a crazy sport. I think baseball more than any other sport is the sport where the less talented team can win because it's all about. How hot you are? Your pitching is your pitching hot? Is your hitters hot? Mm-hmm. Is your closer hot? Um, just last year, I mean, Escobar uh, for for the Braves turned into Babe Ruth against the Dodgers, hitting like six hundred, and that's all it took. They rode him eventually to the title. So. Dodgers did the same in 2020 with Corey Seager. So it's all it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fascinating divisional round. Again, it's the Dodgers and Padres, Braves and Phillies, Yankees, Guardians, and Astros and Mariners. Mariners but Ernie, right. let's transition. And again, you are listening to the Sports Rivals, and it's Ernie and it's Monty and both of us. The NFL week did not go according to plan so i'm going to start first with my rams give you a little bit more time to to wallow in your sorrow on the (laughs) on the bill steelers game but gang i think what happened to the rams and, and we go back to last week you remember that my pick last week was the 49ers over the rams to cover uh and that was ended up being a pretty easy thing now as a rams fan i'm i'm very pleased for the most part at how the rams defense is holding up the rams defense is playing relatively well our pass rush is not what we would want it to be but our run defense is very very strong and we're playing without today the rams played with jalen ramsey and five dbs the next five dbs were all out you know troy hill was out Kobe Durant was out, uh, Long was out, our two safeties, Fuller and Rapp, were out, you know, so, but it didn't hurt them. Dallas didn't win the game with their offense. Right. Dallas won the game with their defense. Right. The Rams' offensive line is an absolute disaster. They started the game today, five games so far, five different offensive line uh, mismatches or mix in matches the Rams have had. Um, and unfortunately for the Rams, the way the schedule worked out, the Rams are playing the teams with the best defensive lines. Buffalo destroyed them. 49ers defensive line lit up Stafford last week and Dallas lit them up again today. I am not optimistic, especially with uh, David Edwards going down with a concussion again, grabbing his head, his second concussion in a week. Um, you know now he's going to be out. That means we're going to be down again uh, next week. So for the Rams, I think next week against Carolina is an absolute must win. They got to get to three and three next week. And then they have a bye the week after they can try to get healthy. But when they come back, it's the 49ers again, Tampa Bay and the Cardinals again. So it doesn't get easier for the Rams. I am not optimistic. Early on, I, I had them going to the Super Bowl. That's not going to happen. I'd be really, really (laughs) surprised if the Rams make it back to the Super Bowl. I'm not going to give up on them because any team that has the talent that they have. But the bottom line is Stafford doesn't have any time to throw. Mm -hmm. And if he has no time to throw, they have no hope. Dallas rose today over the over the Rams 22 to 10. Rams are now two and three tied for last in the nfc west although everybody's two and three <laughs> 49ers are three and two everybody else is two and three but but the rams are are struggling right now and it all comes down to the trenches and the offensive line for the rams yeah. are a mess and i don't see that getting better these guys are going to be out for a while i don't see getting that better anytime soon speaking of offensive lines that may be struggling let's talk about your Steeler game today against Buffalo I mean it was a narrow loss Buffalo came through in the end and squeaked by 38-3 your thoughts on that game <laughs> I, I it was actually it wasn't it was a good start I mean the you know the 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 first uh, series of the game they kicked the the kickoff was uh, was down at the, the two-yard line uh, Buffalo tried to, you know, run, pass, whatever to get out. Lo and behold, it's third and eight. Uh, again, at the two-yard line, 
and Josh Allen just does what Josh Allen does uh, when he's teamed up with Gabriel. Gabriel does, uh, you know, a head fake to, uh, you know, draw in the safety, runs right by that safety, and Josh puts that ball right in his bread basket. Easy. Fly down the, you know, down the sideline. Easy first touchdown. On the kickoff to the Steelers, their regular kickoff returner uh, has an eye contusion right before the game. So uh, James Pierre, one of their uh, special teams, aces, but not a returner, now becomes returner, muffs a punt on a very windy day at the 30-yard line, Buffalo uh, knocking on the door again. If not for an interception or – I can't even remember if it was an interception or a fumble. Steelers get the ball back, kind of saves the day for them. But Buffalo comes right back. Same dual combo, Josh Allen to Gabriel. So this is his second catch – Again, over 50 yards. So Gabriel has like two, two catches for 162 yards, two touchdowns. From then on, it was downhill. I think they took all the life. Buffalo scores 21 points in the second quarter. Pittsburgh Steelers can only amass three points for the total game. Now, the Steelers did had Kenny Pickett in his first start. I was actually encouraged by the play of Kenny Pickett. Uh, but when you're down by that many points, I, I mean, he was within the 30-yard line of the Buffalo Bills six times today, but could only produce six points. But they had to go on fourth down. Uh, Boswell, who is a, normally a terrific killer, misses two chippies. It was just that type of a day for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They fall miserably 38-3 to again. Running the streak of losing without uh, TJ Watt to to nine and zero. Yeah, I was particularly surprised by that because, as you guys know, I had the Steelers plus fourteen <laughs> as one of my one of my picks. Uh, normally, you have in the NFL, you have a fourteen point spread. It's the Steelers on the road. You figure, ah, I'm not even going to be worried about this one. I lost that one by 21 points, Ernie. 21 points above the 14 points that I was taking. Yeah. So it was a tough loss for the Steelers. They're 1-4 and four now. A um, little bit of a bad news with TJ Watt. Arthroscopic knee surgery is going to be out a little bit longer than expected from the pec. By then, if things don't turn around, I mean, they could be, you know, staring at a 1-7 and seven yeah, or 2-6 and six type of a record at that point. So... Both of our teams not in the position we had hoped for after week five, that's for sure. But at least your team, what you're describing, I think the first couple of minutes of your game and my game, very similar. You had a 98-yard touchdown immediately. The Rams had a fumble scoop and score for Dallas on the first possession. Then we come right back three and out on the second possession, and they block our punt. And they're right there at the 15 for a field goal. And it was downhill from there. It was the one I like Hooper Cup 75-yard touchdown. So other than that, Ernie, in terms of the football playing today, the one thing that I wanted your comment on is the Tua effect and the concussion, the new protocols that went into place 24 hours ago on Saturday for today had an impact. There were a number of concussed players or players that went into protocols that had to come out of the gate. Oh, yeah. Miami lost Bridgewater. A number of players went out today under the new protocols. Your thoughts about that, the tool effect in terms of what happened to him, the new rules that went into place, it's, and the concern for the player yeah, safety. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's obvious. I mean, the Steelers had, I, I wasn't following what the Buffalo Bills had, but the Steelers had two concussions, well, two uh, players going to uh, concussion protocol in today's game. So uh, it's, it's there. I mean, I, I don't I really don't think that the you know the NFLPA was uh, you know screwing around or you know doing falsehood in regards to uh, you know what the ramifications will be if they don't make the changes and this is proof positive that you know they're serious about this I mean it it's so sad I'm I'm, I'm really hoping that Tua can come back from this it's, I mean he's just he's so young so much potential and this year started out so terrific for him you see the Miami Dolphins right now without him 
Uh, and just- then it compounds. Again, Bridgewater goes down early. Yeah. He hits his head. He leaves. They have a guy who wasn't even active on the roster until uh, until this week ends up having to play. And you see the impact. Miami eventually loses 40-17 to 17 to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Now the Jets and the Dolphins are both 3-2. and two. Yeah, it's crazy. And I had Miami at one point near the... Uh, at the top or near the top in my uh, in my football rankings, maybe about three weeks ago. How mm-hmm. that seems so long ago right now. It was good to see the NFL take it serious, and I think there's going to have to be an adjustment period. One of the things that I can kind of see happening, Ernie, if we're going to be overly cautious, as we should. I, I again, we talked about this last week. As somebody who had a daughter who suffered a severe concussion, I am all for being extra careful. But if you remember, Ernie, during COVID. They expanded the roster sizes a little bit, you know, because if somebody had COVID, they wanted to have players available. I can see them maybe having to do that, having a little bit more players active, because if you're going to yank this many players out at the at the any threat of a concussion, that could make it even more dangerous for other people. That's true. You know, because now you're playing shorthanded. You have people that are playing that shouldn't be playing. That could make it even more dangerous. So they may have to take a look at maybe expanding the active roster size by maybe five, having an extra offensive lineman, an extra defensive lineman, or something along those lines. I, I, but I, I think that's yeah. probably in the future. Uh, I, I agree with you 100% on top of that. I mean, right now, they, they, I think the term they call it is everybody having hats. I think they, they expand that to allow, you know, if you're on the active 55, you can play. You know, right now, that's not given to everybody. You know, not everybody has has the hat. Uh, yeah, you have the six or seven inactives right, every e- single e- week. E- exactly. The 40, the, you know, the 48, four, yeah. uh, 49 uh, that's actually suit up. Expand that to the 55. I don't see what's what's wrong with that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be necessary because, again, I'm all for yanking players out. Uh, maybe prematurely, maybe overly cautious. It's better to be too cautious than not cautious enough uh-huh. when you're dealing with the brain with the brain um but then don't make it more dangerous for everybody else as you start yanking players out so i, I think that's i think that's a good idea just don't have it inactives everybody who's on the roster is eligible to play um or you can have replacements the inactives can be active but can only play in the event of a concussion uh something along those lines would make it safer for everyone but Highlighting some certain certain games, the late game today, the Ravens finally win a close game at home. Justin Tucker, Mr. Automatic, hits his fourth field goal of the game, 19-17. They're at 3-2 and two in your division. The Bengals and Browns fall to 2-3. and three. The Steelers at 1-4. and four. Um, Any thoughts there on your division mates? Yeah, I'm just glad that everybody's playing 500 or a little <laughs> bit above 500 ball. I it mean, gives you hope. It does. I mean, the, the the route that the Steelers have to take over the next, you know, three or four games is going to be anonymous. I mean, they play uh, Tampa Bay, Miami, and Philadelphia. Uh, those are their three opponents in, in the next couple of weeks. So I'm crossing my... I have somebody who can relate to my brutal <laughs> schedule. It's, it's going to be it's gonna be bad. But in anyways, getting back to what you're asking in regards to the Cincinnati-Baltimore game, I'm just surprised that Burrow is just struggling like this. I'm surprised that the offensive line is struggling like yeah. this. They went offseason. I thought they did a terrific job. I thought their GM did a terrific job bringing in, uh, you know, those offensive linemen. Uh, it's, and it's... I th- you know, in the beginning when I thought I thought that they, okay, they got to adjust. They got to get used to each other. You know, the chemistry is not there yet. It's week five, folks. I mean, they're professional. These guys are professionals, even though, and, and they were, they're, you know, uh, Pro Bowl type of players. And they still haven't, uh, in my opinion, uh, done better than last year's line, to tell you the truth. I mean, Burrow was able, no matter how bad that line was last year, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals were, were still able and uh, offensively uh, strong enough to, you know, ride their offense into the Super Bowl. This year doesn't seem to be the same. I don't know if it's just having more tape on regards to Burrow and uh, Jamar Chase and, uh, you know, they're just game planning against that. Uh, Mixon still looks like he's doing uh, Mixon things. I mean, he's not having a terrible year. Uh, still averaging, having a good uh, average per rush, uh, but that that uh, Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase has really slowed down today. Chase uh, 
as far as receiving, he only had 50 yards catching. Uh, that's not a normal Jamar Chase day. Uh, Joe Burrow only th- barely scratch going over 200 yards, one touchdown, one inter- interception. Uh, it's 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 mind-boggling. And if if I'm the Cincinnati Bengal fan, I'm being really frustrated in regards to the ineptness of this offense because I thought this offense would really light up the scoreboard, and they're struggling. You know what? I totally agree. I mean, early on, I think they played the Steelers with T.J. Watt. He dominated that first game. He was just coming back from an appendectomy. I think you saw some progress in certain games. I thought today, because Baltimore's being lit up by mm-hmm. everybody, right. including including New England was putting points up on Baltimore. I thought today was going to be the day that they were going to be able to bounce back and start lighting teams up. The Bengals lit the Ravens up twice last year. He had huge games. Um, Jamar Chase went for almost 400 yards in the two games against them last year. Completely different story today. Fortunately for them, they're only a game back. I mean, it's time to piece it together. They can still build. You got to believe in that talent. But I agree. Um, I, I agree that it has been a little bit of a disappointing start for the Bengals offense that you thought they had resolved those problems. But by five weeks in, I think the offensive line should be playing better than they have been playing. Um, tomorrow night's big game between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. Big in the sense that if the Raiders lose this tomorrow, they go to one and four. I think they're going to be all but done in that division. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be an uphill battle for them, but you never know. They went in there last year and knocked them off in KC, so you just never know in the world of football. But in the NFC, the one unbeaten team, the Eagles, find a way to keep winning. They go to Arizona. They knock them off on 20-17 to 17 on a kind of a not so smart play by Kyler Murray at the end sliding on third down one yard short of the first down forcing him to clock the ball on third down setting up a field goal attempt that goes wide to the right and they lose to Philadelphia but Philadelphia finds a way to win yeah and, I even know and you know what that comes back to and, and and good for Philadelphia they've been winning some real close ones right now uh you know, I've, I've been on record, you know, in prior podcasts saying that it's been done with smoke and mirrors, but you got to give credit where credit is due. They are 5-0. and If that, however, balances out during the rest of the season where they start losing close ones, then we'll know what the Philadelphia uh, Eagles are really like. If they can continue this streak, you got to give them props. I mean, uh, it could go the other way. Maybe they should have scored more points. You know, maybe that defense... Uh, is just that great in regards to you know stopping other teams I mean they've been playing good defensive ball and that's really the formula of championship teams from yesteryear yeah I mean you you stop the run and you run and they've been doing this the old-fashioned way in the in a modern football game where it's pass it's it's pass and catch you know so uh it's good for them Jalen Hurts six rushing touchdowns Tied for the most, including running backs in, in that particular mm-hmm. category. Uh, yeah, he really kills me because I have Miles Sanders and he does just not <laughs> hand the ball off to the running back. If Sanders is going to score a touchdown, it's got to be from 20 yards out. Kills me. Yeah, but but he's been passing well and, and he's not making too many mistakes. Last no. year he, he last year he made the mistakes. This year he's really grown up. The biggest difference I think with the Philadelphia so far, and I think the, the one thing is that we don't know is how they would play coming from behind. Right. They were way up on the Detroit Lions in the first game. They were way up on the Minnesota Vikings in the second game. Um, I forget who they played in week three, but they were way up on them. Then they went down 14-0 to the Jags, but that was so early in the game in the torrential rainstorm that it didn't take them long to get back in that game. But you're right. They have a dominant offensive line and a dominant defensive line. And I think that is the recipe that keeps you in games Mm -hmm. because the other team's not going to be able to score a lot of points and you should be able to control some of the clock, which only benefits your defense. So they have the formula right now of success, Big, big game next week, Sunday, when the Dallas Cowboys visit Philly. 4-1 Cowboys, 5-0 Eagles. I think you're going to have more on this game a little bit later on. But those Cardinals, so weird. Five games, they're 2-3, they're 2-0 on the road, and 0-3 at home so far for the Arizona Cardinals. Who would have thunk that? I mean, that just makes 
absolutely no sense. The 49ers continue. They roll the uh, 37 to 15. Um, other than that, I mean, I think I think for me, we can one thing that I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit about. Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. the first five games. Now we find out he has a slight lat, lat tear in his throwing right. shoulder. Um, so that may be an excuse. But man, Denver is not getting what they thought they were getting from Russell Wilson. And I think what makes it more frustrating for Bronco fans is to see what Geno Smith is doing in Seattle and being like, maybe it was Russ. <laughs> maybe it was Russ that was screwing up the Seahawks. And now he's here in Denver. I got to believe that Russ will still be Russ and eventually he'll turn it around. But so far, it has been a rough, brutal start for both Nathaniel Hackett, the coach, and Russell Wilson. Yeah, it has been. I mean, two interceptions today. Uh, he threw for a lot of yards, but still, it's it's that turnover battle. Still, in my opinion, hasn't really gotten that chemistry with his offensive uh, uh, weapons out there. Cortland Sutton did have a pretty decent day, five catches for 74 yards, but we expected definitely more than nine points from this Denver Bronco team. I think they had, you know, all the writing was on the wall last year when they didn't have the quarterback uh over there and they said that if they bring in Russell Wilson that this offense would be uh, hitting on all cylinders I mean uh, very potent very good skill positions uh, offense and defensive side now the defense held the Indianapolis Colts 12 points but when you only score nine on your side I mean that's where the problem they they haven't scored more than 16 yeah uh, only once in five games uh, that's almost Rams like yeah and I think it I think the fans know it. I, I I think the press in regards to him coming over has been uh, a little less than admirable. I, I you know what? You got to support your quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I think he had all the love he had when he was in Seattle. He's probably not used to this. Uh, maybe pressing a little bit again when you're pressing uh, with uh, unfamiliar uh, weapons on your side. Uh, bad things can happen. I agree with you though. I think I've seen too much of Russell Wilson. The guy is a winner. Yeah. He was a winner in Wisconsin. He was a winner when he first came to Seattle. He'll be a, and he's still young enough. I think he holds all the tools. I do believe that that injury is playing part of it. Uh, he's still a good quarterback that I think he can play through those injuries and still become successful who knows uh it might be a second half comeback for denver but they're not out of it again two and three with a lot of the season yet yeah they're not out of it i think what what he's doing is trying to be too much of a pocket passer Mm -hmm. that's not what has made him successful he's got to be on the move because sitting there in the pocket a little short guy as he is he's not really seeing the field that was never really his strength i'm not saying he has to um be like kyler murray and run all over the place like he used to in the beginning of his career but move the pocket a little bit and now Javante Williams is out for the year. Their left tackle, Bowles, is out for the year. So they're starting to lose even more and more parts. So it'll be interesting to see if he comes back. So, gang, you're listening to Monty and Ernie. We are the sports rivals, and we are going to hammer out our top five right now. Ernie, I'll go first. Sure. Not much change in mind, so I'll spit it out quickly. I still believe in the Buffalo Bills. They are my number one team. The Eagles are closely second. Um Kansas City still third. I expect them to win tomorrow night, setting up a showdown next week. Buffalo KC in KC. Whew, can't wait for that one. That's going to be a good one. Dallas moves into my number four slot. I believe in them already. When you can play defense that well and you don't turn the ball over at all, Cooper Rush so far, I'll be interested to see, do they go back to Dak against Philly or do they let Cooper Rush play against Philly? That's going to be interesting to see. But Dallas's defense is for real. I have them at 4-1 and one at number 4. Minnesota stays in my top 5 at number 5. Narrow, they were up big. Then they let the Bears come back. They find a way to win. But at 4-1, and one, when your only loss is to the Eagles, I still have them finding ways to win in my top five. So Bills, Eagles, KC, Dallas, and Minnesota. What say you? Mine are pretty much the, pretty much the same. Uh, I'm not changing. I mean, I had Philadelphia at number one last week. They didn't lose. Uh, they're still my number one. I still think it's smoke and mirrors for them. They haven't been really winning uh, in a convincing fashion, but they're 5-0. and They're the only undefeated team out there. Uh, I can't take that away from them. I had them rank uh, uh, high when other teams were losing. Uh, they're still number one for me. Kansas City was two last week. 
Uh, they they haven't played yet, so they don't lose that spot in my opinion. Even though Buffalo like demolished my Steelers today, I really thought that game could have been a little bit closer than the score indicated. I think that was two big splash plays in the beginning. I think I saw. Uh, really the Steelers really kind of giving up which I haven't seen for a long time again there's I've only seen in five years the Steelers have uh, not produced sacks in two games and they've done it this is the second time this season which really shows you the difference that TJ Watt makes when he's he's injured Uh, but I believe the Buffaloes are still a pretty good team. They're, they're, they're my number three right now. Dallas, I had at number four last week. Green Bay lost. Dallas moves up to number four. I, you know what? I, I think Dak comes back. Uh, Cooper Rush does well not to lose. But I don't think if you rely on a quarterback to win you a game, if they're ever down, that he's that type of quarterback. Today, he threw zero touchdowns, but again, zero interceptions. He does enough. He lets the defense take care. He lets his, uh, you know, his chess pieces that he knows that are, 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 are better than him or more powerful than him to, to de- you know, decide the outcome of a game. Uh, he, uh, Dak comes back, but I still have Dallas. Like you said, their defense is for real. Mike up. Michael Parsons and Diggs, that young core, if they can solidify them contract-wise, they're going to be good for a very long time. And then I have Minnesota. You had Minnesota up there? I had Minnesota. Yeah. So we have the exact same five teams, four or five the same, just a little bit of a difference in the top three. Uh, Wow. We have the same top five teams. That's pretty scary. That that is scary. <laughs> but I, but you know what, Ernie? I think kind of that's kind of what you expect. About now we're a third of the way into the season almost. There's a little bit more clarity in there. For me, I still believe that the 49ers have one of the best two rosters in all of the NFL. I was going to put them in at number five over Minnesota, but I just, you know, I was going with your mentality. They're four and one with only a loss to the Eagles. The Niners have two losses. For now, I will keep the Niners right outside, even if I believe that they're, with Buffalo, one of the two best teams in all of the NFL. True, true. I mean, if you were to say power rank, I would say, yeah. I, I mean, I would have the 49ers up there. I also think that the San Diego Chargers would be up there. Again, that's a team that, on paper, they, they, they look really formidable. Again, Herbert did well. Uh, the running back, Austin Eckler. Yeah. Terrific game today, but they barely squeaked by. Missed field goal today. Something is wrong with that team. I have no idea what not. Maybe it's chemistry or whatnot. But they're up there also to maybe six or seven. But yeah, Minnesota's five. Okay, so let's go into our pick. So brutal week for me. I mean, I had the Steelers plus 14. That was a rubbish uh, pick for me. And then I had the the Buccaneers laying the nine over the Falcons. They're up 21-0 in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And of course, the Falcons backdoor uh, and cover the spread 21-15. And Tampa Bay shuts it down on the 12-yard line. Uh, at the end of the game um, Falcons now 5-0 and against the spread so far this year believe it or not Marcus Mariota <laughs> may not be winning all the games but he's covering all yeah, the spreads Vegas loves them <laughs> and then Ernie Ernie split this week he he lost the Jags over the Texans but he did hang on with the Tennessee Titans yeah. there at the one yard line um, with the Washington Commanders there at the one yard line to end the game but the Titans hang on so Ernie goes to one and one so gang next week is brutal I, to me it's just tough especially one week out Ernie I'm going to shoot my two picks out right sure. now I don't feel that good about a, really anything because there's injuries in play but I think New England, after their 26-0 victory today, mm-hmm. come back to earth next week. They don't really put two games together right now, especially playing with a Billy Zappi uh, at their quarterback. I think they're going to go into Cleveland. I think Cleveland will bounce back from a tough loss today like they normally do. I think Cleveland will cover the three and a half points against New England. And then in the game of the year of last year in the playoffs, Buffalo, Kansas City. I think Buffalo goes to Kansas City and beats them next week. Right now, the line is pick them. I think so. It's just a straight up game. I think Buffalo goes to Kansas City 
and beats the Chiefs outright as my second pick. That's a ballsy pick. I mean, I say I, I would love to have an opinion on top of that. I think I, I just don't know what's going to happen that in that particular game. Uh, I, re- I I wish Kansas City played today. That way, I could take a, letter, a better look at them. Uh, but whew, that's going to be a terrific game. To me, those those two teams are. Uh, easily number one, number two in regards to representing the AFC. But I'll go with my two picks uh, this week. Uh, I I am four and six on uh, on the year after week five, and it, it this is this is <laughs> tough, man. Is, but but you know all the prognosticators out there. I, I I seen one of the better ones. He's not even going uh, against the spread. He's going straight up, and he's like fifty five percent. I forget that guy's name. The young, the boyish looking guy uh, on the NFL Network. Uh, one of the better prognosticators prognosticators out there but anyway he's getting to my first pick i'm gonna go with the da- uh, with dallas at philadelphia next year philadelphia has been winning uh, like i said earlier very close game to me dallas has played uh very good in regards to uh, their rush defense over the last two games they did give up 167 against the new york giants uh, but that was on two big Saquon Barkley runs. You take away those two runs, Barkley had, is well under 100 yards for that game. Uh, Dallas has only given up 100 yards over its last two games. I believe the combination of Marka Parsons and Diggs can hold Philadelphia down. I think Philadelphia does win this game, but I think they win it by a field goal. Dallas covers the five and a half. Take Dallas at Philadelphia plus five and a half. My second game is going to be the New York Jets at the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers are giving seven and a half. I just, I can't believe the Jets are, are, are playing this well. And I don't believe that uh, Green Bay is struggling this much. I really thought by this time of the year... Aaron Rodgers would have picked up his teammates and, you know, made them better. I'm hoping that this week that comes to fruition. The Jets have actually been trading going into the fourth quarter against the Steelers, down by 10, producing uh, 14 points to come back and win that game. Today against the Miami Dolphins, yeah, they won a big one, but they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter uh, of that game to make to really blow open that game. I, I think that's that could have been actually a lot closer than it should have been, you know, given the circumstances w- with Miami. I believe the Green Bay Packers covers the seven and a half at home. The Jets come back to reality. They're not that good, folks. <laughs> and you know what? The Packers usually respond. If you lose, if they lose, they usually come yeah. back and they blow out the next team. So, okay, gang, you've heard it here first. The Browns minus three and a half over the Patriots um, and Buffalo even to win the game outright at KC. Ernie likes Green Bay to slaughter the Jets, the Jets to come back to earth, laying the seven and a half. And the Dallas Cowboys covering on the road five and a half points against Philly. Yeah. So those are the picks you want to go and book now. Go to FanDuel or one of those places. Put those picks in now before the line changes. Exactly. Because that's your ticket to losing money for next week. I might, I might go as far to do the Charles Barkley guarantee. Oh, no. We know how that works. Those guarantees. All right, gang. Again, it's Ernie and Monty. We are the sports rivals. We didn't even have a chance to talk about the NBA. The NBA is starting here soon. But I believe you're going to include the NBA in your closing thought today, Ernie. What have you? Yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go into this uh this fight scenario with the Golden State Warriors, Draymond Green uh putting a a false crack on Jordan Poole. I'm pretty sure if you've been following the NBA or, you know, following at least the news uh, online that you've seen the clips, a leaked clip from uh, the Golden State Warriors video team that somehow leaked out to TMZ showing Draymond Green uh, approaching uh, Jordan Poole. I guess they were having uh, some kind of discussion out there. Uh, Draymond comes right up to Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole pushes Draymond or actually pushes himself off of Draymond because he goes backwards. Draymond lunges with a nice... Uh, it was, it, I mean, if you're a boxing guy... It was flush on Jordan Poole's chin. I can't believe that he still practiced, you know, after after that hit. But anyways, Draymond Green is getting a tremendous, 
negative publicity in regards to, as as you should. I do not condone condone violence. This shouldn't happen. I'm, but all I'm saying is that the amount of negativity that Draymond Green has been receiving in regards to this is a little overblown, in my opinion. If 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 you watch football and and you follow your teams through training camp, I can guarantee you. At least when when I follow the Steelers, and I know that it's not uncommon that they have at least two or three fights every preseason. Uh, if you follow uh, NHL, those guys go out. I mean, they've got missing teeth to prove that. Major League Baseball, we've seen it. Guys rushing the mound, uh, and they got bats in their hands, although they don't, they don't come with bats. Viol- uh, when you get into an emotional part of the game, this stuff happens. This stuff happens. Now there's all this talk that Draymond's going to be traded, uh, that this is going to ruin the chemistry with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I, I don't think so. I mean, the NBA season is 82 games long. Sure, in the beginning, it's going to be awkward. Uh, Draymond is uh, one of the better passers on the Golden State Warriors. Who knows if he takes a look at Jordan Poole in regards to getting that assist. But I think as the as the games go on and, you know, as time passes uh, and we'll see because uh, right now he's out. He voluntarily took himself out of, uh, you know, at least the early uh, the later preseason action game. But they're going to have to meet in a, in a week because they have ring presentations uh, on opening on opening, not opening day, but, uh, you know, in the next week or so. Uh, and he mentioned that during his press conference, how that's going to be uh very awkward being that all their families are going to be there and them seeing all the tapes. But I, I, I really think that this is something that is overblown. I, you know, it takes two to tangle. I don't see why Jordan Poole is not getting uh, as much negative plus, uh, not that he should get negative publicity, but it's like he's a saint in, in, in this regards. It takes two to tangle. Uh, Draymond Green's been in the league a very long time. He's argued with a lot of players. He's not hit one of them. So Jordan Poole must have said something really bad. Well, we don't know he's not hit anyone. I think it's a different day and age with cameras now. So, Well, in regards to other players, teams, other yeah. players from other teams, and that's who you think that they would, you know, get uh, uh, mad about. But even Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown last season uh, during last year's playoffs, you know, said that Jordan Poole uh, broke the code in regards to complaining about fouls to the players instead of to the refs. And he wasn't even talking about himself because Jordan Poole did that to Peyton Pritchard. Now, Peyton Pritchard kind of laughed that off and says, yeah, that doesn't bother me, he, you know, but it was a foul. You know, it wasn't a foul in regards to that. And Peyton Pritchard is not a complainer. So uh, I think it. it's not that he can't do that, but I think he can be a little bit irritating you know, but and maybe that grew on on Draymond Green, and Draymond Green is just uh, you know a spark plug waiting to explode, you know, and everything like that. So it is what it is. I really think that it's only this big because it involves two, one uh, established great player and one emerging great player off of the defending. Uh, NBA championship team. I think that's why it's like this. If this happened on the Washington Wizards or the Oklahoma City Thunder, I don't think it's uh, pretty much this type of news. Let's be real. Steve Kerr got punched out by Michael Jordan way back in the day. They still won champions thereafter. This is almost the same thing in my opinion. I, I, I think this comes to pass I, I don't pick the Warriors to repeat. I think it's just very hard to repeat, especially when you have a, an aging core like the Warriors have. But as far as, you know, them being a very competitive team, I expect them to to at least challenge to be then. Who knows if if they remain healthy and the powers that be on uh, in on uh, in the NBA uh, uh, have other players hurt, they, they can very well repeat. So. Well, I, I actually think, okay, so I'm going to unpack this a little bit. I, I'm going to share my thoughts. I, I actually, I still have them as the favorite in the, in the West. I think they are loaded if their young players develop. Here's, here's what the situation with Draymond Green. I disagree with Ernie in the fact that I do think the Golden State Warriors are exploring trades for Draymond at this point in time. I think the difference 
now at this point in time, and Ernie alluded to this off the air with me, is that Draymond struggled mightily in the in the finals. He played well in one game, but other than that, I think he struggled mightily. I think Golden State fans still hold Draymond responsible for not the, the Cleveland Cavaliers winning sure, yeah. because of his emotional outbursts. Yeah. I think they hold him responsible for Kevin Durant leaving and going to Brooklyn because of the altercations that he had with Durant causing an uncomfortable environment. Um, and at this point in, in his career, I think the public perception is he's no longer worth those shenanigans. I think the shenanigans that he brings to the table at 26, 27 is different from the Draymond that is producing now at 34 years old. I think Warrior fans are worried that this could be something that pushes Poole away like Durant went away. because they have a week to sign Jordan Poole to an extension. If they don't sign him by October the 17th, he becomes a free agent next year. And I don't know how Golden State's going to pay him in an open market situation when they have Curry making 50, Clay making 40. They got to play Wiggins 40 to 50. I'm not sure how they're going to do that. So their best chance is to sign pull him down to that four-year, $100 million contract, which after Hero signed for four years and $130 million, right. seems cheap for pool. I think that's why Draymond is getting a lot of this. I think people are looking at, it's one thing to say, that's just Draymond be Draymond. But I think if you're a Warriors fan, you're like, that's Draymond being Draymond, but Draymond being Draymond is not worth it anymore. He's not the player he once was. I don't know if it's worth Having him here, if this is going to be disruptive, if he's going to cost us some of our young potential superstars uh, down the road. So I'm curious to see. I've seen a number of trade scenarios that have popped up over the last couple of days. It intrigues me why he walked away. It makes sense to just leave the situation for a little bit, let it cool down without him being there festering it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard from... I don't know if you saw the tweets from Trey Young saying all Draymond's doing is trying to force his way to to the Lakers. Lakers. (laughs) That would be just exactly what the Lakers need. Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Dennis Domenes, and Draymond Green. All we would do is fight everybody. Overload. Oh my gosh. It would be, we'd get nothing productive done. Um, So definitely I don't want that, but very interesting point. I mean, you're right. Fights happen all the time. I think this one is public because they are the champ. Right. And I think it's public because it is Draymond. Um, but what impact it will have and the perspective that people have or is Draymond going to be there when it's all said and done? That's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting. I'm not sure what they could get from him. He still has two years and $51 million on his contract. So they're not going to get a whole lot for him. They'd have to take back some kind of a bad contract. I saw like a Miles Turner for Draymond. I don't know if that makes them any better or any worse, um, but Miles Turner only has a one-year contract, so they save some money. It'll be interesting to see. But again, it's never a dull moment when Draymond Green is around. True, true. And I, and I, I would tend to, to, to see your side a little bit more clear if Kaminga was that person to take over Draymond. And Kaminga is just not there yet. I, I, I believe, I mean, Wiseman is just getting to that point. But like we spoke off the air, I don't think he's producing as a number two mm-hmm. pick should, should produce. Uh, Kaminga's got all the potential, but it hasn't happened. Moody's got all the potential, but it hasn't happened. And to tell you the truth, in those playoff games, if you, if you watch the Boston Celtics versus the Nets, uh, the Boston Celtics versus the Milwaukee Bucks, very, very physical when it comes to the playoffs. They're gonna need somebody like that, and and I don't. I, and Draymond personifies that. He does, and that's why I lo- like him so much. Even though he he played for the opposing teams against my Celtics, uh, he's the one who I respected the most. I think the Boston Celtics players respected him the most, uh, even though they argued a lot during that series. Uh, he's he is not the flash, but he does everything. That no one else wants to do, and when and you're duplicating yourself when you got the Splash Brothers plus Pool. If Clay Thompson doesn't get back, then I could see that 
uh, Paul uh, becomes the heir apparent. Uh, that may be taking place right now because Paul is shooting lights out. Uh, but if it that uh, again, it's it's redundancy in my opinion. I don't think they have any redundancy in regards to replacing Draymond. And I think if that were true, they would have explored this way more prior to this fight happening. I think this fight is just a distraction and an excuse for all these rumors to come up. But then, then again, I can see your point. I just think the media blows everything up. We'll see what comes yeah. up afterwards. Oh, there's no there's no doubt about that. They certainly yeah. do blow everything up. But what do you guys think? Chime in at Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter. Tell us what you think. Is Draymond good for Golden State? Does this blow over? Do they trade him? Um, what's going to happen with Draymond? Man, Ernie, it was a packed show. Yeah. Relatively sad show <laughs> I mean the, the UH Warriors lose but that was a positive I, I was actually happy with that yeah. I felt good moral after victory. that game last night it was a moral victory Timmy Chang doesn't want to hear that but I think we both believe that and then today came and it was an utter disaster for both the Steelers <laughs> and, the, and the Rams I don't see a it, viable opportunity for either of our teams to do what we hoped that they would do this year we put out our top picks I went 0-2 Ernie went 1-1 one you have the 14 parlay lock for next week um that's out there anything else you want to touch on guarantee <laughs> let's go dodgers <laughs> and again for ernie i'm monty we are the sports rivals and until next week we're out Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear. Mm-hmm.